and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text is taken from the reading we just heard in the Gospel of Mark. You may be seated. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you have gathered us here to once again hear your word and receive your gift. Lord, we come before you today confessing as we do that our souls are apt to stray and we too often cling to the sin that is in our lives. And so we pray today, O oh Lord, that you would teach us to cut that sin off, that you would remove it from us so that we fought, might follow you more faithfully. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. As we get into the sermon today, I do want to bring you all up to speed with a little bit of what we're doing here at Community Lutheran Church right now, especially uh, as we talk about uh, bringing on a new DCE. If you weren't aware of this, we are currently in the process of, of looking for a new DCE to come to the church and work here, kind of what Jim used to do. We're looking for uh, a new DCE to fill that role. you got to understand, the way things work around here is that we have three areas of emphasis for our ministries. We have the hear ministries, that is, we, we hear God's word together and worship, and that is the responsibility of the pastors to, to oversee and direct what's taking place in our worship services. Then we have the learn ministries, where we want to learn God's word together. And so what we're doing right now is we're, we're trying to find a DCE who will coordinate and oversee all the learn ministries. That would be the youth group, that would be uh, confirmation classes, and also uh, sort of help organize and, and coordinate uh, the adult classes at both campuses. And then, of course, we have Rachel Bond here, who is our DCE intern right now, and she is literally just knocking it out of the park as she is figuring out how to do the care ministries, that we care for everyone God sends our way. We're figuring out how to make sure we're taking care of everybody within the church while also finding ways to reach out and serve the community. And Rachel's been coordinating that and helping us develop our care ministries, and she is just doing fabulously at that. And so we're very thankful for her. But those are the areas of focus for us here, and that's kind of our discipleship process. We want you hearing God's word with us in worship, being involved in Bible study, and serving in some way here at the church. So we need that position filled. We need that new DCE. And there's a lot of reasons why I think we need that new DCE. Uh, but today, as we come to the sermon and we come to this reading from the Gospel of Mark, I realize I really need a new DCE to do children's messages. Because you see, sometimes... Jesus says something like this in, a children, in, his re, in the reading. Uh, uh, Cut off your hands and your feet and pluck out your eyes so that you don't burn in the fires of hell. Do you want to do a children's message on that? Tom, are you busy next week? Maybe we could do that one for you. Oh, oh you're bit Good. Yeah. All you need is a butcher knife, I think, and a, some salt and some matches, and you'll figure it out. We'll see what we can do with it. Uh, yeah, I really need a new DCE for a lot of reasons. That's a big one. Uh, but as we think about this text today, we think about those words from Jesus. Those are pretty aggressive words. I mean, Jesus is, is not pulling any punches today. He's being pretty harsh as he talks to us about the nature of sin in our lives and just how aggressive we need to be when it comes to confronting and dealing with sin. I think Jesus is doing for us today something that I heard uh, Flannery O'Connor uh, write about. Flannery O'Connor is one of the great American authors, if you've ever read her short stories or some of her novels, just a tremendous author. And she says this about writing. She says, to the heart of hearing, you need to shout. And to the almost blind, you need to draw large and startling figures. I think that's what Jesus is doing for us today. 
for you and I, who quite frankly are oftentimes nearly deaf and blind when it comes to our sinfulness. Because the reality is, is that right now we live in a world, and we are people, quite frankly, who have been desensitized to sin. For us, sin is not so much of a problem as it is something to be entertained by. We're entertained by our sins more than we're worried about them. But just because we're desensitized to our sinfulness doesn't mean that our sinfulness isn't dangerous. Just because it doesn't bother us that we have sin clinging to us and that we continue to commit sin, that doesn't mean those sins aren't dangerous and, and potentially harmful to our faith. And so Jesus is coming to us today, and he's saying, listen, if there is any sin in your life, anything that you do with your hands that is wrong, you need to cut your hand off. Anything you walk with your feet, anywhere you go with your feet that would lead you away from me, you need to cut your feet off so you don't do that anymore. If there's things you're taking into your eyes that would cause you to not see me, you need to pluck out your eyes. Jesus is going to really extreme measures saying to you, listen, it's better to enter the kingdom of God maimed and blind than it is to suffer in the fires of hell with a completely healthy body. Now, I think it kind of goes without saying that Jesus is being uh, hyperbolic today. He's speaking uh, in exaggerated terms, of course. I say kind of understandable. I, think, I assume we understand that, though, you read some of the early church fathers, you find that they took Jesus quite literally here and were removing parts of their body to obey him. I mean, that's going a little extreme. I don't think that's what Jesus is doing. I think it's pretty clear that he's not being literal here. After all, if Jesus tells us, if you're sinning with your hands, cut off your hands, what do you do after you cut off the first hand? Think about it. Logistically, very difficult to do anything if you can't, never mind. Uh, the second reason, though, why I think Jesus is being hyperbolic here, is that when we start to really dig into the sinfulness in our lives, we find that the problem isn't our feet or our hands or our eyes, but it's much deeper than that. It's our heart. And if we're really going to need to deal with sin in our lives, what we need to do is remove these old hearts of stone and have them replaced with something else. So Jesus says today, you need to go to extreme measures to deal with the sin in your life. That's his point. Sometimes we need to go to extreme measures to cut the sin off from our lives. But I want you to notice what he does with that. First, notice where he is sending us to deal with our sinfulness. Notice he doesn't say something like this. There's a lot of sin in this world, so what I want you to do, church, is I want you to go out and reform the culture so that there's no longer any temptations around you. Nor does he say something like this. What I want you to do is take control of the government so you can legislate against sin and you can impose morality on people. He doesn't say any of that because he knows none of that's actually going to work. What Jesus calls us to do today is not to direct our issues with sin out on others, but to recognize that the problem of sin in your life is not coming from outside of you, but it's coming from yourself. It is your hands that harm your neighbor. It is your feet that follow the wrong path. It is your eyes that look at all the wrongs others uh, looks at all the wrong things and draws them into yourself. The person you're called to go after when it comes to sin is not the culture or not some other enemy that makes you a victim. You're called to deal with your own sin. You are the greatest sinner in your own life. Now, before we move on from that point, I, I just want to make one caveat here. This does not mean 
that when we see sinful activities taking place in the world, some evil uh, um, taking place, that we shouldn't speak out against it. Of course we should speak out against it. It's, it's crucial and necessary for us to speak out against evil when it's taking place in this world, when, when the weak are being oppressed, when, when, the, when the poor are suffering. Of course we need to speak out against those things. I don't know if you've been following those uh, gymnasts, the women's gymnastics team, uh, and how they're standing up against all the evils that were imposed upon them by a pretty uh, wicked system there in the, the, um, the, the gymnastics in the Olympics. But what they're doing is nothing short of heroic. And it's a good example for what we ought to do when we see evil taking place around us. Evil needs to be named and confronted. That's obviously true. It's just that that's not Jesus' focus today. Jesus' focus today is not on how we are to confront the evil all around us. Jesus' focus today is how you are going to stand on the day of judgment before God. And on the day of judgment before God, you will not be able to blame anyone else for your sinfulness. It's your sins that you will be called to account for. And we need to hear this. And this is why I think Jesus is speaking in such stark terms today. Because we are so prone to blame everybody else for all the problems around us. If the government hadn't done this, if my parents hadn't been like that, if my boss wasn't so much this way, then I wouldn't have to do these things or I wouldn't be doing these things. It's always someone else's fault. Jesus says it doesn't work like that for the judgment seat of God. None of those people will take responsibility for your sins. Your sins are your fault. And you will give an account for what you have done. Further, I think Jesus needs to speak in such harsh terms about our sinfulness. Because we don't take it seriously enough and we don't recognize how damaging this sin is, not just to sort of us, our standing on the day of judgment, but how it renders us incapable at times of hearing what Jesus has to say to us. Sin gets in the way and harms our trust and our faith in the Lord. So Jesus says, you, you need to get rid of it. Like we hear these things that I just said and we say, wait a minute, I thought Jesus forgave all of my sins. And he did, and he does, and he always forgives you. That's why he came and died, to forgive your sins and take those sins away from you. But we have this problem, even as Christians, like we're saved, but that old sinful nature still clings to us. And we have this problem where Jesus says, I forgive you, and he takes your sins away, and then we kind of just reach out our hands and say, yeah, but, but not yet. I'd still like to play with that a little bit longer. It's like Jesus comes along and sees a kid with this dangerous toy. And he's like, no, 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 you can't play with that. And the kid's like, no, thank you. But also, can I have it back now? Like, we do this. And Jesus is saying to you, when you see your hand start to reach for that sin, cut it off. When you watch your feet wandering after me so you can have those sins back, cut them off. Go to extreme measures to remove these sins from your life. Because they're preventing, you're rebuilding a wall that I have torn down. I've come to tell you that I forgive you, I love you, and that you are mine. And because of your sinfulness, you will not listen to me as you are. It's kind of like this. Sin is kind of like this. It's like a teenage boy who walks, and maybe he doesn't have to be a teenage boy. I don't know how old he is. Well, he'll be a teenage boy for our illustration. He's a teenage boy. He's walking into the kitchen uh, to get himself a snack. He's got his earbuds in his ears, and he's got his iPad before his face, so he's watching some stupid TV show on YouTube or something like this. And he walks in to get some junky food. 
But as he walks into the kitchen to get this junky food, his parents are at the dinner table, and they have prepared for him his favorite meal. They went all out. They spent all kinds of money, made huge sacrifices to have this meal prepared for him. They have his favorite food, his favorite drinks, all of it laid out for him. And they see him walk into the kitchen to take this junky food, and they say, hey, Tommy, come have dinner with us. Hey, Tommy, come over here and have dinner with us. Tommy, don't eat that junky food. Come have dinner with us. Look at all of this we have done for you. But Tommy can't hear it because he's got the plugs in his ears. He's got the buds turned up way loud in his ears. So finally, his father goes, Tommy, take the earbuds out and come have dinner. And Tommy turns around and says, you know what? You guys are always yelling at me. You never do anything for me. You have no love for me. I'm done and storms out of the room. That's what sin is. It plugs your ears to the gifts and the blessings that Christ has to give to you. And so Jesus is saying today, don't remove the earbuds. Crush the iPad. Get rid of anything that might even potentially prevent you from coming into the presence of Christ and hearing his word. And so you have to take extreme measures. And now this is how we want to think about it then. Go to these extreme measures, but to be a little more literal for ourselves today, you need to ask yourself a pretty tough question. What is it for you? What is it in your life that is preventing you from hearing the gospel and trusting it as much as you should? What is that sin that you cling so tightly to and you don't want to hand over to Jesus? And what extreme measures do you need to go to to remove it? Is it lust? Maybe it's time for you to stop talking to that co-worker. Maybe it's time for you uh, to shut off the internet. Find an accountability partner. Get rid of the internet in your house. Extreme stuff if you have. Is it gossip? Maybe it's time for you to stop spending the time with those people who always draw those stories out of you, who love to hear it when you say negative things about others and you feel pretty good when you're putting others down and they're laughing at you. Maybe it's time to stop those relationships for a little. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's slander. Maybe you have this, this problem of, of slandering other people because you think that that's going to help you win arguments and make you look better. And maybe it's time for you to stop watching all of those news stations that are trying to convince you that slander is the best way uh, to work in this world. Again, maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's time for you to cut that bitterness off, start to forgive that person, even if they're not repentant enough. Start forgiving that person who has harmed you so that you can let go of that bitterness. What is it for you? What is it that you need to cut off? Well, there's a sort of problem with all of this. We can cut off that sin. We can work against it. But the work is yet not done. Because honestly, if that's what you do, if what you do is you just start looking at all the sins in your life and you really start digging into this, what you're going to find is you're going to have a big pile of, of gross limbs and sins just they're all right there on your floor. Now what are you going to do with all of that? You've got all this stuff just laid out for you and all you see is a pile of all that's wrong in your life and it begins to just weigh heavily upon you. And at this point, you realize that the problem, as we mentioned earlier, is not just what I'm doing with my head and my, with my hands and my feet and my eyes or whatever, but the problem is my heart, that even once all the limbs are cut off, my heart is still beating and my mind is still thinking of sinful things to do. What are we to do with all of this? Just, just take, again, take our heart out and, and put it in the pile? Yes, exactly right. But we can't do it. We simply just can't. And this is why Jesus comes for us. 
to do that work for us, to take that heart of stone, as the book of uh, Jeremiah says, to take that heart of stone out of our chest and replace it with a heart of flesh that is forgiven and redeemed, to take out the heart of sin and stone and replace it with a heart of love and forgiveness and mercy. Here's what Jesus says for us to do. He says, take all of this pile of junk, all of your sins, that's the first part, Confess those sins, admit those sins, but then bring them to me, says And I will take care of them. In fact, this is what we do every single Sunday when we come into the sanctuary and we begin our service with the confession and the absolution. It's like we're taking all of those limbs and all of those sins and that stony heart and we're carrying them with us here to church. And we bring them into church and we lay them all at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, yes, great. And he takes them up himself and he carries them all to the cross where he bleeds and he dies for them, where he is literally cut off for your sins so that you are declared forgiven. He takes your sins and he makes them his own. He takes the credit for everything you've done wrong. He takes the blame for you before God so that your sins are washed away and clean. And in exchange for those sins, he gives you that heart of flesh he gives you that word of forgiveness. He gives you that promise of eternity and everlasting life. He takes your sins never to bring them up again. Earlier in the message, I mentioned that on the day of judgment, you will not be able to blame anyone else for the sinfulness in your own life. You will not be able to pass the buck at all. No one else can take the blame for your sins. That's partially true. Even greater truth is this. 2,000 years ago on the cross, Jesus took the blame for your sins. 2,000 years ago on the cross, Jesus was cut off so that you would be forgiven, and he stood up before the Father and died in your place, condemned so that you would be justified, crucified so that you would be raised and given a new life. That's what we need to hear. It's that message that gives us that new heart of flesh. That's what we need constantly placed into our ears. So today, whatever it is that's preventing you from hearing that, be it pride or lust or bitterness or anything else that gets in the way of you receiving and believing the promise, cut it off, crush the iPad, rip out the, eye, uh, the earbuds, and hear this good news. Jesus has done this for you. You are forgiven because God has had mercy on you for the sake of Jesus Christ. You are now free from condemnation. The price has cut off your sin. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, in your mercy, you have forgiven us, though we do not deserve it. You have shown us grace, for we have only deserved judgment. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have been judged in our place. And now, Lord, as you remove our sins from us, teach us to stand up against our sins, to fight against our sins, and to go to, whatever is, to, go to whatever lengths are necessary cut them off. We thank you, Jesus, that you have accomplished all of this for the sake, for, you, for our sake. And we pray now that we would follow you faithfully.